Well, good morning. Uh, it is so good to see y'all. Uh, the, today's graduation, is this the first time they've ever had it on Sunday? Well, lucky you that y'all get to be the, um, the maiden voyage of that de- trip. Uh, I am a, speaking to the seniors this morning, so the rest of you can check out. And I think Kaysen's getting ready for graduation, so Brayden, I'm going to be staring at you the whole time. Now, they always told me when I was a youth minister, they would let me preach uh, on graduation Sunday when we honored the seniors, and they they would say, really, just give a message to the seniors. (laughs) Oh, okay, thanks. Just completely incapable of giving the message to the adults, which I'm still learning how to do. Uh, I have um, started a series, we started it last week, called The Five Million Steps of Salvation. If you grew up in the Church of Christ... You know what the five steps of salvation are. Um, You probably thought about having them tattooed on your forearm, but then you were told that was a sin. So, you know, you live and you learn, right? So, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, uh, and we have this, we always had this, this step up. Of you, you first, you got to hear, and first, and then you got to do this, and then, and it was a process. Um, it was a plan that you, that you had to follow, and once you got to the top, well, there you found salvation. And just by the title, you might think your first instinct might be, well, Benjamin's going to kind of make fun of that. No, not at all, actually. I think all of those things, and plus other things, are fantastic. Um, responses and and needed responses for when we hear the gospel. But, I think sometimes the way we have structured this stepladder formula keeps us from seeing what this can do in our life. Just everyday hearing, everyday repentance, everyday confession... What we want is not to follow some plan of salvation, but we want to live a life of salvation. A life that is redeemed by God, both in our our salvation and in the way we act. Preachers of old used to call that sanctification, but preachers my age don't even know what that means. But God making us holy throughout our life, and what does that look like? Now, Now, this step process has, has um, caused even caused some problems. Like one, what if I'm the kind of guy who likes to take two steps at a time? What if I get a run and start and I can hit believe, repent, and then salvation, right? Um, when I get to the top, is it a broad, spacious place, this salvation you speak of, or is it narrow with any... Um, where any little wiggle will send you hurling to the bottom. And if I were to hurl to the bottom of the step process, do I need to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized all over again? What about the plan? There's details about the plan that aren't mentioned in the Bible because the plan specifically in one verse isn't mentioned. Now, all the elements are... But the way we've structured it and said you've got to climb this step ladder might do more damage than good because we get to the top and then we don't know what to do. 
We are asked to make a decision instead of asked to be disciples, and that can have serious implications in your life. In your life, a life that is hoping to follow Jesus. Now, last week we looked at here. Now, if you haven't heard that and you want to hear that, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can go online. That's actually one of the only... You can get a CD from Judy. You can ask her. But if you go online and just Google Benjamin Neely sermons, the first thing that comes up is where we put them online. You can go listen to it. Easy enough. We update that every week. Um, two of you, I'm sure, will at least go check that out. <laughs> There's no, maybe I'm the only person on the planet who during the week thinks, hmm, I wonder if there's any good sermons I can listen to. Um, so if you want to listen to that, you can. This week, I, we're dealing with one that I think is, uh, is often sort of skipped over. It's sort of an easy thing, we think, but it is, it is the step that would give us the most trouble throughout our life because we tend to misunderstand exactly what believe means. Um, what faith is. Now, you notice that I use those two words there together, believe and faith. And you say, well, Benjamin, isn't there something in the Greek that would tell us that how believe and believing and faith are two different things? Or kind of, how, how is there a subtle difference? Yes, there's a subtle difference. One's a noun and one's a verb. That's it. It's the same word, pistis and pisteo. You can all, I mean, none of, most of you don't speak Greek and you can all acknowledge those are similar words. Now for us, we use the English and we say uh, believe for one and we say faith for the other. Because we don't have a verb for faith. There's no faithing. Right? That I know of. Except I just said it and now it's a word. But we do have a word like that. We, we, we have the word trust. Trust, for us, operates both as a noun and it operates as a verb. I can trust you and I can have trust for you or in you. We can say believe and belief. It's the same sort of thing. They're just the same word. To have faith is to believe. Now here's where we run into some confusion with believing. We're going to get to what believing is in just a second, but I want, to, I want to at least talk about what believing is not. The reason we get into confusion with believing and faith is we think it is tied up in our prayer life so securely that we've got to say, well, I just didn't have enough faith, or I didn't believe enough, or I didn't whatever. That's why I didn't get this thing. If I could just have enough faith and God will answer my prayer, he'll have to. Well, there's still no peace in the Middle East. There is rain in Spain, but there is no peace in the Middle East. Now, is this because nobody who's prayed about it has ever had enough faith? They've never been certain enough. They've never believed enough. No, it's because human beings make human choices and those choices impact our world to God's liking at times and to God's disliking at times. 
Sometimes we're just, things happen just because they happen. I have a good friend who beat cancer four times. Four times he beat cancer. Had, we, we, we would pray with him, pray for him, have, send out these prayer chains that um, are like regular chains, but holier. And, there's, and we, we would pray and we'd pray and we'd pray and pray and then the cancer would be in remission and we'd say, praise God. He was four for five with cancer. He beat it four times out of the five times he had it. And the fifth time he died. Leaving a junior and a freshman in high school. He was in his late 40s. Did for some reason we just didn't believe the fifth time like we believed the first time. Which is crazy. We, we had four times of proof saying, well, we, we, if we just believe, God will answer the prayer. And see, talk like that kind of, it's, it's tough, right? Because we want to give God glory when good things happen. But what about when bad things happen? What if we pray and we pray and we pray and it just doesn't work? Or they aren't healed. I want to do a little experiment here. This is my Bible. Alright? My Bible. This is my Bible. It doesn't match my tie, so I don't feel holier than the rest of you today. Alright. Now, you can't see my Bible, but I want you to believe that my Bible's there. Alright? Believe it's there. Done? All right. Now, here, second step. I want you to believe it more. How? How do you believe it more? Now, I'm actually pretty good at sleight of hand. When I was 12, pretty much the whole year, I planned on being a magician. I worked at it hard. That's pretty much all I did. You know that time in your life when you're supposed to be making friends? Slot of hand. I still had that slot of hands, and all you lost your friends. But, but the Bible is there. The Bible's there. I promise. And, but you can believe it's there, but there's, there's, this, there's this difficult jump to say, well, I'm going to believe it more. So if I believe God can answer my prayers, I just, I believe it. And someone says, well, you just need to believe it more. I have a hard time making that leap. Now, some of you may not, but for some reason, I, I do. I don't see what believe it more is. And people say, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Ben died. My friend's name was Ben. Ben died because cancer is awful. People make... We had this, we had this young lady in, in Texas where we worked down there. Very popular senior at the school. Pulled out her phone while driving. 
sent a message to a friend, or at least typed a message to a friend, crossed the line, and everybody died. And it was painful for me. It was painful for all of us. It was very difficult. But then the, the, the sentiment became, oh, why did God do this? Why would God do this? And I, I, I felt insensitive saying this, but God didn't do this. If you bring out your phone to text someone and cross the line, you did it. That's what happened. And so sometimes we say, God, what, why, where were you or what was happening? But things happen. Faith, sometimes we treat faith or belief like it's the, 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 uh, the key that's going to fix the magic trick. Like if I can just, if I can be certain enough, then all of a sudden... God will have to do what I want him to do. Does that feel like a good relationship to you? Does it feel odd to have God in heaven saying, well, if you, only if you remove all doubt will I then let this person live. It's holding, it feels like God's holding them hostage, doesn't it? The way we teach this can often lead us to say things like, well, I just didn't have enough faith and blame ourselves for chaos and death. We will all die. I know some of you think I say that way too much for someone to be as funny as I am, but got to offset it somehow. We will. We will all pass away. I am 31 I will be 32 next month. I may die before I'm 40. I may die before I'm 32. If someone crosses the line and hits me, that wasn't God. It was whoever crossed the line. And no amount of prayer in that moment will heal me. But you know what will heal me? An empty tomb. What will heal me is a, is a Lord and Savior who died on the cross, went in the tomb and got out, and he conquered death. He's not going about conquer bo- broken bones and, and cancer. He's not going about bro- healing. His, his job was not to come and save us from diabetes. It was to come and save us from death. And no matter what leads us to death, we walk out of the tomb. We have faith in that. See, look at this. Look at this, what happens in in Matthew. Actually, three times this happens, we're going to look at one of them. This isn't working again. You'd think I would learn um, to put batteries in it. In Matthew 8, it says, Then he got got into the boat, Jesus. Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him into the boat. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Next slide. He replied, you of little faith. Now this is one word. You of little faith is one Greek word. They had a word for it. You of little faith. 
Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Here's what's interesting to me, and this happened. He talks about, he says, oh, you of little faith in Matthew. Uh, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he says, um, why do you worry, oh, you of little faith? Isn't God going to take care of you? And here the storm is pressing up against the boat, and he says, oh, you of little faith. And then later Peter gets out and is walking on the water, something that most of us have never done. And Peter loses focus and, and, and starts to slip and goes into the water. And Jesus grabs him, saves him, and says, Oh, you of little faith. Every time he says, Oh, you of little faith, he doesn't refuse help. He says, You of little faith, God's going to take care of you. You of little faith, I'm going to take care of the storm. You of little faith, I'll save you. He didn't say, well, Peter had little faith. That's why he drowned. And just let him go. God loves his people. That's why he came to redeem us from death. It's not this lack of faith that sometimes keeps us from getting what we had hoped for in prayer. To be honest, I think that might be a misunderstanding of what exactly prayer is. Through Jesus, we have been offered a chance at a relationship with God. And one of the ways we get to do that in Jesus' name is go to the Father in prayer anytime we want. Whether you're asking for anything or not. Number one thing I hear people say whenever they talk about, the well, I don't pray, I don't know what to ask you don't have to ask anything actually we wouldn't say that about you know a young man sees a a beautiful woman in a in walmart i don't know when you're telling a story like that in church where are they i don't know can't be the typical place right so sees a young woman and he says he, he's out well, so we'll go talk to her I don't know what to ask why do you think you have to ask something what's important you want to start a relationship or not then go talk go talk go listen faith believing is not just about somehow God healing our worst problems. Faith is believing that God is good and death is conquered even amidst our worst problems. Even within our, wor- our, our tragedies and our brokenness. That's faith. Look at um, what we have in Hebrews 11. You hit this. You know how when your electricity goes off and you flip the light switch every single time you go in the room? I'm just going to throw this somewhere because I'm doing that with that thing. All right. In Hebrews 11, we have this, this what they call the Hall of Faith. There's just these people listed of, of all these things that a bunch of people did. You can go back to the previous slide. All these things that everybody did. And 
the list is just all the heroes of um, Israelite history. And if you pay attention to the list, uh, it's in Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 if you want to go, but you can trust me with this. Uh, we have Abel in verse 4 who offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go uh, to a place he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was was going verse 9 by faith he made his home in the promised land verse 11 by faith abraham even though he was past age and sarah herself was barren was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise verse 13 all these people are were still living by faith when they died what does it mean at least by hebrews 11 definition what does it mean to live by faith To do the things God has called us to do because we believe that He has made His Son King. If we believe that God is who He says He is, and if we believe that Jesus is who the Bible says He is, and who Jesus is who Jesus says He is, if we believe the tomb is empty, it is not faith. Faith is not something that by prayer we can get God to act. Faith is when we believe something so firmly that we act. Faith is a, doesn't move God. Faith moves us. Faith does not move God. Faith moves us. So the question now is, what exactly is it? Like when we're called to live a life of salvation, if I'm living a faithful life, what does it mean? The next, uh, next slide, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, a good question to ask of this verse is, well, what do we hope for? And what can't we see? See, if God is just some sort of magical doctor for you that you call on every time you're worried, that let's let's get him to heal me. Sometimes things happen. Now, sometimes God, sometimes miracles happen too, but man, those, in Jesus' time, those miracles were pointing to who Jesus was. And so to have faith for a miracle was to have faith in who Jesus is. And for us to have faith, we're not looking for miracles, but we're look, we believe that Jesus is who He says He is. And if that's true, everything about our life needs to change. If that's true, repentance happens. If that's true, confession happens. If that's true, we unite with Jesus in baptism. Faith moves us to action. Faith moves us to action. Because we believe that Jesus is who He says He is. 
because we believe that God is indeed loving, is, did indeed send His Son, and His Son did die on a cross and walk out of the grave and ascend to the throne, because we believe that Jesus is King, an alive King, we will act and live and move and do things differently. Faith is a life that is assured of something we, are hope, we hope for. We hope for the reign and the rule of Jesus. In my life, in, in my family's life, in my church, in my town, my country, in our world. We hope for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And we hope to be the instruments of its coming. We hope to show people glimpses of the kingdom of God along our way. But we can only do that if our hope is in the kingship of Jesus. Listen, I know there have been there have been times I was, it was raining real hard one time, and I prayed, Lord, please ease up this rain. It eased up like that. But then Ben died. You know, you feel the, you feel the tension of prayer and belief and faith. Where you just, if that's what faith is, there are times that I, I'm so confused by. But if faith is just me every day acknowledging that Jesus is king and God put him there, God resurrected his son and put him on the throne and now he's, he is who he says he is. That's living by faith. So Peter is in the boat and they see some somebody walking on the water, and they said, oh, it's a ghost, you know, like you would. And John said, it's the Lord. And Peter said, oh, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come walking out on the water to you. And Jesus said, yeah, come on, which I don't think that, that's the Arkansas rendition of it. <laughs> Yesterday we were out in the front yard and Rachel yelled this sentence. Hey, stop running with that stick. And I thought, oh, we live in Arkansas now. Good. That's a very Arkansas parent thing to say. Jesus said, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and is walking on the water to Jesus. What is it that gets him to sink? Now, don't answer the wind and the waves. It's him choosing to pull his focus off of who Jesus is and to focus on the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves existed before he started sinking. So if you feel like your life is not a life lived by faith, if you feel like you really don't have that much believing, it's probably representing itself in your actions. Not because... Uh, you lost your job or not, well, if, you know, 
if you were sinning and lost your job, then that's probably it. But not because, you know, you're, you have to fix your car or somehow God's mad at you because something bad happened to you. That's not the way the world works. That's not the way God works. I don't have time to prove it to you, but just trust me. But the way God works is if we just focus on Him. Now to believe that He is who He is, and to focus on our following of Him. I think a lot of our lapses in Christianity has a lot to do with our shortened attention spans. We're just not paying attention to what we should be paying attention to. We're not focusing on what we should be focusing on. And that focus, or that failure to focus, is keeping us from doing the things God would have us to do. Faith moves us to action. It is not. Faith is not. an equation to get God to move. It is a life that gets you to move. And so your response to faith is to go. It is to do. It is to repent. It is to confess. It is to be baptized. It is to forgive your brother like you have been forgiven by God. It is to not judge your neighbor so that you will not be judged by God. It is all. It is turning the other cheek. It is all the things God has called us to live. To loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Or he, as He loved us, actually. But the beginning of that life is a life that believes and focuses on the one who called us to that life. We need to have faith in the empty tomb and the king on the throne. And let that move us to a life of salvation. If you've never believed in anything, I don't listen, I can't prove God. I can't. I don't have, my mind is not, I don't work that well in the sciences. And even if I did, I feel like I'd probably be proof texting a lot of stuff. Just making the evidence fit what I want it to say in the first place. But just because I can't show you, oh look at God. I mean the problem is that I showed you my Bible and then put it there. It's because I can't show you God on the throne or show you Jesus. I would like you to walk around with our church for a while. You don't have to believe just yet. We want you to belong here before you believe here. And I think by belonging to this place, by enjoying the company and the people in this place, I think you will see Jesus on the throne. And I think you should put your faith in that. But if you've never believed before and you think, you know, today's the day I'm going to stop putting faith in me and I'm going to put faith in a king who conquered death. That's going to move you to do some things. Faith, a good faith, will not keep you in your chair but it can bring you to the front. I mean, you can talk. It can make you grab your neighbor and go out back. Whatever. 
But if you're deciding that today's the day you start believing, today's the day you grab a hold of faith, don't just do it quietly in your chair. Let it move you. Let it do something in your life today, and let it do something now. Do something now as we stand and sing. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away, fly away.